Welcome to the Three Strands Podcast. You are about to hear a session from our recent workshop on healthy sexuality entitled God's Design for Sex. We hope you enjoy it and will check out each episode from the event. For more information about 3SC, visit our website, threestrands.church. So I didn't think I was going to put on the hoop again, but interestingly, it come up in my mind about Genesis 4-7 and something that I haven't really thoroughly shared um, in my study where I'm at with it so far. But, okay, so if you do well, if you're pleasing, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you don't do well, Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. A couple of things here. The word sin there um, is, I think that one is transgression, if I'm not mistaken. And it wasn't what was really lit my fire with it, because I understood that in the Greek, I guess it was the Septuagint in the translations that were given. The, the Greek word used when talking about sin is crouching at the door is to miss the mark, okay, the bullseye. If you were to shoot an arrow, bang, you're, hit, you're aiming at a target. And I would say to you that the hoop is the target, okay? You're missing the mark. What's interesting about that and that the definition of this word confirms that. Sin uh, means to miss the mark, the true end and scope of life, which is God himself. So it's like you've got your own little hula hoop around you. This is your perfect love that casts out all fear. And sin is crouching at the door out here. And he's just saying, stay here. Stay with me. And you reflect in your mind who he says that you are. Going to require that you know who he says you are. You know your tools, as we've mentioned. That last part of that verse that says that you must master it. That's a command. Other than eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that's one of the first commands that's out there. You must master it. In my mind, I see this as the taunting is going to happen. I'm not perfect. I am not going to do well on occasion. One of the wonderful things about God, and we understood this with the definition of the word glory, is that his opinion marks the value of things as they appear to the eternal mind of God. And when he says something is good, and the definition of good is lovely and beautiful and pleasant and delightful even, and when we have been reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ, we receive the reconciliation. We have redeemed the invitation, saying, here you go, here's my coupon, Daddy, I want to be a part of the kingdom, I want to be your child. He goes, ah, you're in. You have the favorable opinion of your Father in heaven. So even when I miss it, and I didn't do perfect, and I didn't, yeah, 
I acted in my flesh and all of those things. He's going, eh, don't, don't get out of the hoop. Don't get out there and start defending yourself. I got this. Who do you say that I am, Papa? Let me believe it. Let me walk in that. Let me get alongside my brothers and sisters with that. So we've got a couple of slides um, recapping. I'm really not going to go there because we've actually recapped the presence aspect. I, well, I, I think I will for just a second. So when we talk about presence, this yada, knowing and becoming fully, intimately known by experience, you know, what do we mean by presence? I believe that presence is in the moment now, in this hoop now. The hoop goes with me everywhere I go. I'm in over here now, and I'm over here now. I, I'm over here now. It's constantly following you. Presence. It's being in the moment, not in the past, not what happened then, and not worried about the future. It's here now. That's what presence is. What presence is in the marriage bed is the same. You're here now. Not going back into the past. Not going on into the future. Not worried with this fear because the fear is going to take you. Remember we talked about those four parts of the brain that shut down. Well, you start worrying about how good you look and how good things are, whatever the thing might be going on in your head. Guess what you just did? You just jumped out of the moment. You jumped out of the presence. We let all that, we abide. In the marriage bed, presence is that physical expression of the covenant promise, the exclusiveness of that relationship, permitting no rivals. So what is the presence in worship? Obviously, all those things. We're in the moment, not in the past, not in the future, because both of those things can bring anxiety. Fear about what's happened in the past or fear about what's going on in the future, and we just need to be in this moment in our worship in the presence of God. Because the, as I mentioned, that self-consciousness is the enemy of worship. Christ consciousness, that's where our focus is. Christ, God's highest and best. His sacrifice for you and me that we are reconciled and redeemed and now favored. I think we need to camp out there a lot longer and about the favor that comes with being God's kid. It's not to say that we aren't recognizing when we miss it. You don't, you're not hearing me say that because there is clearly a confession and repentance as we were just talking about. So you know, we confess and repent to the Lord. He forgives us. But we confess and repent to our brothers and sisters so we can be healed, taking it to the next step. But the worship of the presence and being in that moment with the Lord is a must because he tells us that the Father is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. I've camped there a little bit because I like this part. And I go, okay, so 
You're looking for worshipers who worship you in spirit, and spirit is life breath, okay, the creative life force, and the ability to think of and communicate with you. So you're looking for people who are in that, because the spirit is also an energy component, the, the life energy. So you're looking for people who are worshiping you in spirit, life energy, communicating and thinking about you, and also in truth, the unveiled reality of the kingdom. So my worship is focused on who I am in the kingdom through the agreement with the mind of Christ in that place. That is, in my opinion, this reflection and revealing of God's glory, his opinion and value upon us where we are, you've soaked out in the sun and saw the sun earlier today, amazingly, after several days of not, and the sun and the radiance, and you feel it on your face. If you would start to imagine the healing radiance of your father's love and acceptance and favor over you and receive it. Receiving it means that you actively take it. I've had to work in a lot with myself and also those in recovery, especially those who have had um, significant abuse. It doesn't take a requirement of significant abuse to have the um, difficulty of actively taking, receiving what God is giving you, accepting it. I have to actively take it. He says, I am favored and blameless before him through Christ. I have to wrap my head around that a lot of times because sometimes I don't feel it. But when I'm not feeling it, guess which realm I'm in? I'm in my natural carnal man realm, but it doesn't agree with truth. So I have to reconcile which way am I going to land on this thing. So you are whole, complete, lacking in nothing, fighting off affliction. It's just a perspective thing. It's perspective. How are you going to view it? Half empty, half full. You are whole. His word tells you that. You are whole, complete, and lacking in nothing. In his perfect love. And you are fighting off affliction. Anything that is coming to oppress you, you and everybody else that's out there. So when I say you, I'm expecting that you're going to go take this message of some sort to your peoples. Okay? Because it doesn't end with you. You are not the Dead Sea. It pours out. You do have to be on the alert, though. And you do have to be prepared to recenter yourself. And you will have to use your tools. You are responsible for that. So this slide, um, I'm kind of shifting and wrapping up because we did start this with the God's design for sexual intimacy perspective. And I kind of want to wrap it up, get that way. Um, and how do we become sexually whole, whether we're single or married? Um, in my view, these four topics uh, listed on the screen represent 
significant uh, areas relative to healthy sexual development. The guarding of the arousal template is a primary aspect. Um, as we mentioned, it collects all the data without you even knowing it. It's collecting data and it's looking for patterns. That's what your brain does. It gets really excited about, oh, I know how to solve this problem. Oh, we've done it before. Please let me do it. And it's going to naturally do that unless you interject some restraint. If, in fact, that, ooh, 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 I know how to solve this was a bad choice. The more emotionally charged we talked about this, the emotion is, the more fusion that occurs in the neural networks. That means, in the language that David was using, the more trigger you're going to have with an experience that's similar to that one, even a memory recall of that, you are going to have a trigger to bring you back to a state of defense. And then your brain's going to go, oh, I know how, oh, 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 I know how to fight this. Please, 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 please. And then you got to go, nope, I'm not going to go there. That's where fetishes begin and the fusion of neural networks. And it just happens that way because your limbic system is fusing emotions, your feelings with association of experiences, just what it does. Parents need to teach to children the advantage of God's design for sexual intimacy and caution against cultures compromising for the poor quality of immediate gratification. Tell me that is so not true. We got immediate gratification coming out our ears. Maybe not so bad in your community, but you get into the city and it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, it's so instant, 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 instant everywhere. And so when you tell someone to hold off, I've got, there's another option that's better for you. It's truly saying something in our world and in our culture to suggest that. Kids are not going to naturally want to do that unless you teach it to them. They, they're going to have sexual impulses. And again, like I said, they're not bad. They're by design and they're a part of the arousal template. But so is the learning of self-control, the mastering of the appetites. Now, I would pause right here and say this connects to the Genesis 4-7 thing that I was talking about earlier many a times over about you must master it. It also connects with Paul in the, oh my gosh, where is it? Um, uh, it's, it's where he's talking about um, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial, and I will not be mastered by anything. The self-control. There has to be a conclusion and a teaching of why. The holding out, the whole thing about guarding the arousal template. Oh, I do mention that later. I got to pay attention to my own notes. It's coming. But the, the strengthening of that delayed gratification muscle so that they have a true vision of marital sexual, the, the marital sexual union. So we've, we've gotten a, a pretty crappy picture of it. Excuse me for saying it like that. But in the body of Christ, we've not said a word, which makes it then it's what culture said, and that's not a good picture. So we've got a pretty poor vision. And the conversation I had with a man earlier today was talking about, and it was so spot on. I've even was supposed to speak in Portland before COVID about this, about the cohabitation culture that we have in our Christian communities. The culture has it for sure, but in Christian communities, cohabitation's nothing. Seeing nothing wrong with it. There is no understanding of the compromise 
and no delaying of gratification, which leads me to the next topic. And it's significant to our outcomes of what's the long-term trajectory. This requires us to delay the gratification of the moment to have what actually am I shooting for in some vision with this. Now, mind you, on this topic, if someone is, I call it, pinging in their mind off of anxiety from abuses and they are trying to manage pain and you're telling them to hold it, slow down, that is a mighty task for them. Because then you're, having, you're asking them to sit through some anxiety that they may not have skills for, may not have a safe place for, and you're telling them to hold off. So along with all of this delayed gratification comes alongside brothers and sisters that says, hey, wait, we, there, is a better, there is a better option. Now let's talk about it. We're going to come alongside, and, yep, and, and you, you as a community move with them and plant the vision of that higher outcome. But delayed gratification is built on self-soothing skills. Um, you guys got to get into these workshops on the second Tuesday. This one comes from the de sexual development one. But the self-soothing skills are learned in infancy and either the building on them or lack thereof are applied all throughout life. It gives us the ability to delay something of benefit for a higher outcome only if you understand that the higher outcome is appealing for you. You've got to make it convincing. <laughs> Just saying no isn't going to cut it. You've got to have conversations about, give them what you know. Get really good at the information that you've learned here. Come to those workshops. Get it down and start communicating that higher outcome of God's design and its appeal so that they can go, you know, I really would rather have someone as a marriage partner that's not thinking about somebody else in the marriage bed. I really would like them to be thinking about me. You could even talk to your elementary or even middle school kids and go, you know, you guys have probably thought about your first kiss or something, so this would kind of translate. So what if it were you were getting your first kiss from your boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that, and you knew that when you were kissing them, they were thinking about somebody else the whole time? In a way, you are, this is the reality of the pornography world that they're growing up in, the sexual world or promiscuity. That's a reality. They're thinking about somebody else other than you. This is why you want to choose well. We're also learning emotional resilience. We have to be able to modulate negative emotions. Uh, we got to navigate through them. So that individual in the example I gave a moment ago, if you're going to, they're, they're, they're in a promiscuous lifestyle, they're cohabitating, and you're saying that's not really a good idea because it's going to keep you from understanding and receiving God's highest and best, and you're going to talk to them about the one flesh union and the neurochemical, and they're going, I think that neurochemical stuff's pretty good right now. I'll take the I'm just being honest with you. You've got to be prepared for the conversation. But here's what happens in this cohabitation culture. This pulling of the pacifier here, this to me is an absolute must, the delayed gratification of pulling the pacifier. That pacifier is any codependent behavior that we talked about the slides of last session. Anything that you are using 
on dependency other than God, and you pull that passy and you watch your baby scream, you'll get pretty, you can get nasty inside. Get your temper tantrum going. You tell me I can't go play golf when I want to go play golf? Are you telling me I can't go watch my Netflix? You watch yourself. You pay attention to that. In the consideration of the cohabitating couple, what, what they don't get from that experience, oh, they may get the orgasm of some sort, not, you know, but what they don't receive is the benefit, if you had the two couples side by side, the ones that lived apart and were not sexual with one another, who learned to pull the passy of, they love one another, they want to be with each other, and they have a sexual desire to be with one another, but they're abstaining. They are pulling the passy and learning to deal with what's coming up, those selfish desires that want to get met. They're learning to deal with them one by one, in delaying that gratification for a higher purpose and reason, it's giving them maturity. That maturity will go a very long way for this couple as they both are learning who they really are under the surface. Outside of that, you have people who are over here cohabitating, and as long as you are with me, you're helping me pay the rent, and you help me have a good time every now and then, but things start going sideways. I'm not so sure I really like you so much. Whereas the same couple over here who's done this is able to find out if they like them so much before they've even gotten into bed. Because you're going to find characteristics of those individuals apart from the marriage bed that may or may not be a good fit for you. That's what courtship is supposed to be. Dating is for us to find out the kind of character that we have that goes good with those kind of characters and more group settings and whatnot. People these days don't understand what dating and courtship are all about. They do not even know what courtship is about. I went with my granddaughter to lunch one day, and it was a wonderful discussion with fifth graders about dating. They were totally surprised that there was a definition for dating and a definition, what is courtship? And I said, well, courtship is actually after you decide that you really think you're ready to get married, and then you've already figured out the character of people that you like, and now you have set apart one individual to see if it's actually going to work long term. And you start abstaining from the desire to come together and be physical, which is hard because you like one another, but you start learning things about yourself that you would never learn otherwise. Never learn otherwise. And that it's going to become so valuable when you become one in marriage because guess what? After a while, sex is not the biggest thing on the block, is it? Life happens. Sex is good, but it's not the only thing in a relationship. It's not enough in a broken world to keep a marriage together. You have to have more. You have to have commonality. I did not build that into this, but that just came out, so that is true, and there's more there. Uh, but when it comes to the emotional resilience, you have to have the delayed gratification. You have to learn how to navigate through the negative emotions once that passy is pulled to figure out what selfishness is in there that needs to be dealt with because there's some unbelief that God's going to be satisfying enough to you, whatever his decision is and the outcome of this is going to be good for you, even if that person is not yours. Oh, gosh. Okay. 
I want to just say that one other way. Maybe this like makes sense to some of you, but <clears throat> if if you don't, nope, nobody's singling out cohabited people as if their sin or their situation is dirtier or bro- more broken than the rest of us. Like she said earlier, we're all broken. But what what they're learning or not learning there is the difference between selfishness and selflessness. Without delayed gratification and building up an emotional resistance, if you never have to say no to how you feel, then you never learn to be selfless. So while it looks like you're cohabitating to become closer, to become a better couple, to know each other better, it's like, oh, that makes sense to do that before we get married, doesn't it? You're really not learning what you need to be a successful spouse. You're learning selfishness. If you never have to say no to how you feel, then you never learn to be selfless. You're always selfish, even though it looks like I'm moving in with them to take care of them. I'm moving in with them to help them out financially. You're really never learning to say no to yourself. Listen, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but this is a fact. You ready? Everybody that goes on one date with somebody they really like feels like they want to live with them. Like after one date, like if you know somebody, you're like, I'm into that person. If you like them after like one day, you're like, I could live with them. Everybody wants that. You feel that. But you have to learn how to say no to yourself because I want to develop inside of me selflessness that says, that's what I want to do, but for the sake of my marriage someday, for the sake of my spouse, I'll say no to myself now. And it's not just cohabitation. It's many areas. You have to learn how to say no to yourself or everything's going to be about you. And most marriages, everything's about you. That's why people keep getting divorced. They get disenfranchised or frustrated with somebody who can't ever live up to their expectation because now you're, not, you're no longer making me happy every minute. When we first got together, everything you did made me happy. And now it doesn't. So the whole relationship revolved around, do you or do you not make me happy? Versus am I or am I not learning how to be the correct spouse that God wants me to be? It's, it's, it's like completely 180-ing like what it's supposed to be about, you know? Yeah. Thank you for that. That needed to be said, the selflessness, selfishness uh, comparison. A um, couple more comments, and we are going to stop this part early because I want good Q&A with you all, and I hope you will speak. <laughs> um, to understand God's design for sexual intimacy in the one flesh union, you, there, you are going to have to acquire a vision for it. You're going to have to perceive and conceive it. It's going to have to be taught to people, so they've got to understand it. And it is your job to say that. It is my job. Got one guy here. It is <laughs> All right, all together. You got to want to know what it is you're saying first? You're, it is your job to vigilantly guard your arousal template. It is your job. It is your job to guard your eyes, your ears, and the experiences that you take in. That's your job. And God's going to hold us accountable for that. We already talked about the compromise is costly. And so let's, let's not develop the, the things that we have to undo. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just populate this. I'm going to point you to the video on the website. I already talked to you about the reflective listening workshop that is the skill that helps us to dig deep into what's causing the pain. 
On the slide is a uh, on yeah on the slide is information on how to develop anxiety. In case you wanted to develop anxiety, if you any of you weren't you know really good at it yet, those are the steps. Go ahead, follow it through. Some believe you know. I would just want to say that there's an expectation. We've been talking about that word a lot. That's uh, within an individual. Then an expectation not met. Then there's apprehension and an easy uneasiness within the individual, often not perceived. Then there's an automatic relief behavior. We think about addictions as that, and yes, it is. But there's also really innocuous things you would think, like stuttering or uh, not stuttering, sorry, um, interrupting or um, tuning out. Just things that you know you just go off somewhere. And then there's a justification of that behavior. Um, I want to populate this really well in case you don't go to the website. I'm not really sure how much benefit this is going to be within you, but in your brain, this is, this is a case for why you should either go to this video, the reflective listening video on the website, forgivenmuchministries.org forward slash our work, down to the videos, look at it, or go to the workshop, is because you have two guidance systems. This is science, uh, an intellectual system and an emotional system. Guess which one's driving? The emotional system is driving. And why we do feelings work is because once the feeling has been identified, it raises it up into the intellectual system, and now you can do something with it. Until you identify it, we call it name it to tame it, until you identify it, it is running without permission. And you are going to make poor choices in uh, moments of crisis particularly, and we call that feeling awareness. And uh, anxiety is incredibly infectious. How many know that? You saw that happen in COVID across the world. Oh my gosh, there's a virus coming! Danger! And then immediately, everybody's... And it, you just know it happens. I can come in the room. Someone can come in this room anxious, fearful. And it's contagious. We pick up on that. There's a lot to that. So we have got to deal with the anxiety and the... Um, Reflective listening exercise actually takes us through that. This is my hula hoop. You're going to remember me ever and forever with my hula hoop and my hard hat. So this is Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Um, the definition for heart is mind, will, and emotions. We've been talking about that all day. And here's your definition, the inner man, the mind, the will, and the emotions, the thoughts, the reasonings, and understandings, judgments, and the seat of desires and affections. Guard those. It's your job. Those 11 synonyms, those things that were on my hard hat, as I said, they are my responsibility. They are your responsibility. And when you do not take responsibility for what is yours, guess what happens? All of life falls from that. And we need the skills to be able to slow life down. And how do I navigate these negative emotions? That skill set will help you do that. I'm not going to populate this. That's the basic exercise. Um, it's on the video as well. I do encourage you to come to the workshop. If you will put your email on my list back there, I, I will not blow up your emails with a bunch of emails. I will put you on the quarterly newsletter, and I will give you an email inviting you to register for the workshops. 
but that's, a, that's about it. I hope that you stay engaged with the ministry. Um, that's the basic exercise. I feel blank about blank because, and then I need, those are your seven desires of the heart, and then my next steps. It gives us a direction. Here's a heart need that I need to have met, and then what I'm going to do to get that need met. There's an advanced one that deals with your responsibilities and where you have been shirking and shrinking back, not taking responsibility. And in this exercise, it goes a little deeper. It helps you be accountable. Um, honestly, the Spirit of God just breathes on this. It helps us to see where our thinking is different than the way of God and the way he thinks about it, and we have to stand um, with him on that. And I'm going to stop it there, and we're just going to go into some good old Q&A. You've, you've, you've heard a lot. Um, I'm sure you've got questions and thoughts. I pray that you have some boldness. Um, I, I do know this, that lust and pornography, when it comes to sexual intimacy, lust and pornography, the sexual stimulation that we have in our culture, and this I'm saying predominantly for our young people, instantly, lust, pornography, sexual stimulation, instantly evaporate negative emotions, instantly. And they get a lot of stimulation in this culture.